Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Getting a lot more feedback from people on what they want to watch tonight. What are you going to do? There is so much going on. World Series Game 2, RSL's second playoff game, and the Jazz play the first of 82. Plus, BYU stuff on BYU TV all in the Eastern Time Zone. It listed in the Eastern Time Zone, so you need to be aware. Don't wait till 9 o'clock because it'll be over then. Terry says, this is a tough one. I loosely follow the Astros. I spent a lot of time in Houston. I'll definitely start with baseball at 6 o'clock. See how it goes. Switch to the Jazz. See how that goes. And at the very least, I'll end with RSL. I suspect I'll prioritize RSL, but eh. Well, why wouldn't you, man? It's soccer. Hector, you lost me at soccer. The Jazz are back. Uh, see, our next guest, I mean, it's a waste to talk to him tonight about football because he's going to be watching soccer through and through. That seems unlikely. I bet. DJ and PK, time to bring in our college football insider, Riley Jensen. Riley, good morning. Hey, what's up, guys? Watching the game tonight with Ethan Tanner Sterling. So if you guys want to come join us. <laughs> what do you think of soccer, Riley? <laughs> I love soccer. Clearly. I love soccer. I'm, Clearly. A, I'm a big fan. I'm going to I'm going to check the Alta High roster right now and see how many Ether, Ethans and Tanners and Sterlings you have <laughs> on your football team. I got a future quarterback named Ethan coming up, so I, I guess I should be careful. How about a center back? What's his name that's coming up? The center back? Yeah. Uh, it, it's Sterling Polson. No, wait, <laughs> Sterling. <laughs> Making fun of Channel 2 yeah, weather people now. That's uh, sorry, sorry. I bet he played. I bet he played a mean. I bet he was a great soccer player. Great soccer player. Let's start you off with something completely different today. <laughs> Instead of the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies, which is uh, okay. why you're you're normally what you're normally here uh, talking about. Uh, Josh right. Davis just ran for 328 yards and four touchdowns. He's an Alta High guy. And whenever somebody does something like this in the big sky, I think people wonder why they aren't in the Mountain West. And if someone does it in the Mountain West, why aren't they in the Pac-12? All that goes on. But his recruiting, it always fascinates PK and I because we don't follow it as closely as some people. I mean, some people make it their full-time gig. And coaches obviously miss on guys. If you're running for 328 yards at Weber State on a really good Big Sky team, did someone miss on him? Should he be playing at a different level? What happened in his recruiting? Because you're an assistant coach at Altai among the many hats you wear. So as the offensive coordinator, what happened? Well, he's he's one of the reasons that I asked the head coach at Altai not to have coaches talk to me anymore because I was so frustrated with his recruiting. Um. No doubt they missed. There's two Division One coaches um, in state that have admitted that they missed on him. Didn't Navy and, recruit him? Didn't Navy recruit him? Yeah, and and I think that that was the next point that I was going to get to is I think sometimes when kids get labeled as a smart kid, they get pigeonholed into okay, so he's an Ivy League kid or he's Army, Navy, Air Force, and he yeah. was offered by Army, Navy, and Air Force. Um, you know, I don't know the ins and outs as to why he didn't choose to do that, other than I know that his dad was a Marine, and so I think much of his life had been like living like a Marine. <laughs> so, um, my my thoughts are that he just wanted to go and play football. He didn't want it to be, you know, military as well. But I, I was so frustrated. I 
I had a chance to coach Stanley Havili. I had a, a chance to coach E.C. Sofele. Both of those guys started in the Pac-10. I guess it was the Pac-10 back then, Pac-12. And he's every bit as good as those guys. And in some in some ways, I can make an argument that he was better. In some ways, I can make arguments that those guys were better. Um, could catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, for two years in a row, he rushed for 2,000 yards. And two years in a row, he had over 500 yards receiving. It was it was ridiculous. Being an offensive coordinator with Josh Davis was like playing you know video games. It, every game was like, oh, he didn't have 200 yards rushing. Man, they really slowed him down. <laughs> you know, so, none of what's going on at Weber surprises me. He's a great kid. He's an unbelievable running back, and I'm I'm really surprised. I mean, he was freshman of the year last year. He was All-American last year, third team, I think. And he's right back on path to, to have another phenomenal year this year. All right, so I'll ask the obvious question. He's a running back, and he was white. How much did that play against him? <laughs> well, I, I Come do on. think... Let's be honest. Let's be open here. Real conversation. There, I do think that there are mistakes made in recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Eric Weddle talked about it. I mean, and our listeners are thinking it. So, come on, it's got to be asked. Doesn't mean everyone's a racist or anything like that, but it's it's real. It's real issue. Nothing wrong with addressing it. I I, I would I would say this. He he plays in a predominantly African American position. That's all I would say. All right, Utes, Cougars. Don't try, hey, don't try to put the squeeze on me. Like I'm not trying to put the squeeze on anybody, man. It's yeah, just real. No, it's not. It's it's not uncomfortable. The more the more we have these types of discussions, the better off we all are. No one's pointing sure. fingers at anybody. I'm not labeling sure. anybody. We're just addressing <laughs> issues. It's hard to get recruited as a white running back. I will say that. How much were you stunned that the Cougars took down the Broncos? Stunned. Absolutely stunned. Um, you know, I, I don't know I don't know how you can be a BYU fan on this kind of roller coaster all the time. This is just like it's like the high of highs, lows of lows. <clears throat> um, you know, I think I think David Locke used to label BYU as barometer university. I don't know if it is anymore, right? Like Usually it was if BYU beat you, you weren't a very good team. And if you beat BYU, you were a pretty good team. <clears throat> and I don't I don't think BYU fan liked that label, but I don't even know what to label them now. I mean, two top 25 wins, two losses to Toledo and USF, they're just head scratchers. And maybe you have to start wondering if this is a whole function of, you know, they get up for the big games, they don't get up for the, the smaller games. And... And so it's I – I have no idea what to think. I thought they played fantastic football. Um, I'm wondering a little bit to myself if – because there was hardly any RPOs, um, run-pass options in the game on Saturday night, maybe one or two. And I'm wondering if that just makes people feel a little bit more comfortable in the BYU offense. They, they know – the running back knows if he's being handed the ball – quarterback knows if he's throwing or if he's handing off the ball and maybe it just made them play a little bit better football I don't know I I'm still scratching my head on that one and then still in the fourth quarter they didn't play well and and kind of sneaked out of there with a win so 
I, I have no idea what to tell you. Um, you know, I heard the promotion this week from Scotty G and Hans talking about, you know, this win doesn't mean a lot unless, you know, you follow it up with some wins, which which I think is true. But, God, you know, the, the win against USC and the win against Boise, those are big wins. And it, and it shows you that they have the talent, that they have the ability to be a lot better than what they are or what their record shows right now. Yeah, there's no question about that. Now, I mean, now we know for sure they had a nice win, and then they, it took a while, but they backed it up, and now they got enough games to go forward to make something out of this season and erase some of the disappointment that they've had. The thing for me, and I've been saying it the whole time here, is that the passion in which they played, you could just virtually see something that isn't visible, and so they've got to find a way. As a coach, and you've been there, you've been there as a player and as a coach, how do you channel that to make sure that is on display and, and it is ready to go when they get to Logan? Well, <clears throat> I think Logan will be a little bit easier. There's, you know, they obviously Utah State obviously has BYU's attention. The last two games Utah State has won. This is up in Logan. I think it's going to be a little bit easier to get up for this game than it will be for. You know, UMass, Idaho State, and I don't even know who else is left on the schedule. Liberty. San Diego State, I think. Liberty, that's right. That's right. So you've got some <clears> – <throat> I don't think they're going to have a hard time getting up for this game um, because there's some revenge factor and there's some different things going on. But I do, I do think that the hardest thing to do as a coach is to keep, you know, 105 guys motivated and on the same page every single week at – it's just a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of different people, um, you know. At different times of the year, there's a quarter of the team that's mad at you. There's a half of the team that's mad at you. There's not a Division One player that's worth their salt that doesn't think they should be playing. And so, it's just hard to keep. It's hard to keep that big of a group happy. And so, the guys who have established the culture and the guys who have established winning. And the way that winning is done are, are really impressive to me. Uh, that's why, you know, Kyle Whittingham is impressive to me. Chris Peterson is impressive. I think Bronco Mendenhall in a lot of ways is impressive because you know when you go into those programs and when you, when you go in that you know exactly what's expected of you and you understand what the culture is when you get there. And I think that's hard to do. And so when you get a great coach, it's because they understand culture and they're able. There, there's not a coach in the country that I couldn't go and sit with and be really, really excited about doing X's and O's for an hour, an hour and a half with them. I mean, I could sit down with Kalani and I, I could draw something out and say, okay, so how do you adjust to this? What would you do to this? How do you cover this play? What do you think about this play? What's your. And all head coaches across the country would be fun to do that with. But. The coaches that are the great coaches are the ones that have established a great culture. And it doesn't matter what offense they run or what defense they run. The players come in and they know what's expected of them. They play well. So the Utes beat Arizona State, but Tyler Huntley threw a pick. Could have thrown a couple more. It was his first pick of the year. Did ASU do something different? Do you put it on the weather? What do you think going forward? Especially with another good defense coming in. I, I think he finally made a bad read, <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't think it was the weather. I think when you saw him throwing his little tantrum after, he was mad because he knew he made the wrong read. And it was a it was a simple pass concept. So the only way that I can explain this one away for Tyler is that 
It's such a simple pass concept that you run it even in Little League. He's thrown that pass a bajillion times for completion that maybe he just got a little bit lazy on his focus. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, and he was he was definitely, you know, he was he was upset with himself for that throw. I I still think he's just playing an incredibly high level of football. I mean, you're talking about one interception, a nine to one average, he has a hundred and eighty point six rating. 1,564 yards, 74% completions. Yeah, it's only 223 yards a game, but that's what they're asking to do. And so I, I still thought it was a great game, especially in bad weather. Especially in bad weather. If need be, do you think that they can win games with their backup quarterbacks? That was a little bit interesting to watch, right? Yes, I think they can win games. No, I don't think they can win games against the upper tier of the Pac-12. I think they need Tyler Huntley healthy to beat the upper tier and the upper class of the Pac-12. And so, um, yes, if need be, there could be some games that they could skate by. Like, I I think no matter what happens this week, they're going to win the game. I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care who the running back is. They're going to beat Cal. But I... But, you know, when you're talking about, you know, Oregon, you're talking about Washington, you're talking about USC, those those games would be tough to win. Now, they don't have to play USC this year, but, again, but it's um, it's it's it definitely felt a little bit different when the backup came into the game this last week. So have you ever had an injury like that? It, it looked kind of weird, and they haven't said exactly what it is. There's been plenty of speculation but to have a guy roll across the back of your legs and you reach back towards your leg grab your calf although some people say knee and some people say ankle but have you ever had anything like that where you kind of know because you've been through it yes yeah, so um there there were there's two different injuries that, that well injuries that i've had or thought i was going to have one was I had a guy that was rolling across my knee straight forward, and I had a guy pushing me forward, and I was in kind of a big scrum after I'd thrown the ball. And I could feel my knee just about ready to blow out. I was ready, I was ready for it to blow out. And I had a knee brace on that thing, and for some reason it didn't blow, but it, it scared. I, I think sometimes you get one of those injuries, and it scares you because I heard my knee starting to, like, give out. And then I came to the sideline, and I'm like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it was, right? And then you start going through it, and they're like, yeah, you're not loose. You're fine. And then you come in three, four plays later, and you're okay. I think there's sometimes where you get in a situation where, for for all intents and purposes, like, it should have been a bad injury, and it wasn't. And it's just like, in your mind, you're like, how did that not happen? How did that not happen? And so hopefully it's one of those. There is a couple of times here and there when you're playing, though, where you take a good hit. Or, or for example, like when you get a stinger in football, it feels like, you know, it feels like it's over for the season. And then, you know, five minutes later, you're fine. So there's, there's different injuries that happen that just kind of are like a little bit shocking to the system, and then you're fine. And my guess is, is it wasn't me or it wasn't ankle, and he thought that it was going to be a lot worse than it was, and then he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm fine. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know him. I don't know the doctors. I don't know what's going on there. But there are times in football where it just seems like you should have been really hurt, and you weren't. 
It doesn't appear that Jordan Love is having as good a season as he had last year. So do you agree with that? And if you do, why? Well, I I took the time Saturday night to really watch. And I really wanted to take like a, a deep look at what – and in my opinion, and they were talking about it on TV, they're like, look, there's big-time NFL guys, there's scouts coming through every single week. I think he's pressing a little bit. Everything that I can see is that he is not just letting the game come into him. He's pressing really hard to be really good. And that is not a recipe for, like, your best football. And, you know, not to go, you know – sports psychology consultant on everybody, but there's kind of a yin and a yang to performance in the sense that you have to have a certain amount of focus. If you're not focused at all, you're not going to play well. you got to be like hyper-focused and driven and like dialed in and ready to go. <clears throat> and usually Division One athletes don't miss on that part. The part that they miss on is the relaxed part, the letting the game come to you, letting yourself be a little bit, almost feel flimsy in your throw and just open and relaxed in your throw and and the combination of that focus and that that mindfulness or that relaxation point is where you're going to get your best performances and i feel like he's all focus and hardly any relaxation mindfulness and um flow type right now and he's got to just go out and play for his teammates play for himself because i felt like the whole game it was really really tight and I just didn't feel like it was the same Jordan Love as last year. Last year, and I feel like it's he's he's pressing a little bit. And um, I'd, I'd like to see him just kind of relax, get himself a couple completions, and then kind of like forget all the hype, forget everything that was going on. He's still going to be a high draft pick. There's still going to be people that want to take a chance on him because of his size and his ability to throw the ball at different angles and do some different things. But right now, he's got to play a little bit better, and I think it's because he's pressing, not because he's not talented, not because he can't make big-time throws. And then I think the second part to that, and I went a little too far on that, is is there's been some drops and there's some different things, and we've talked about this before. When you have drops, all of a sudden you're feeling like you have to put it right on his face mask and throw what I call a catch-it-or-wear-it-ball. And that also makes you press a little bit because these wide receivers seem to have a smaller catching radius than last year. And so it just makes you a little bit more focused on the glove. And, you know, we've talked about this PK where, you you know, where you're talking about being a shortstop and because your first baseman could catch anything, all of a sudden it made you more accurate yeah. throwing the ball to first base. It's, a, it's the same type of thing going on with some of the drops. And there have been some key drops where he's made some good throws and drives get killed because of drops. And then you start pressing because you're like, man, I got to throw it perfect to this guy. I got to throw it perfect or else he's not going to catch it. And so I think he's pressing that way a little bit too. So Gary Anderson comes on every week, and he was telling us one of his concerns going in the Air Force game, where obviously you want to possess the ball and give your defense a chance to rest before they get out and face that option offense that can grind its way down the field. But he was talking about 15 of the last 17 Aggie drives have been two minutes or less. But mixed in there are a seven-play touchdown drive, an eight-play drive that went 57 yards and ended in a field goal. But they were still only like a minute 40, a minute 50 seconds. Do they need to get away from the hurry-up and slow things down? Because an eight-play drive can be a four-minute drive. There's nothing wrong with a seven-play touchdown drive. It can eat up three or four minutes. Yeah, so 
they, they've been very fast this year. I, and I don't know. I mean, I remember the LSU coach talking about that they're getting it off faster than anybody's ever seen. I think this is my own personal opinion. This isn't, you know, this isn't a criticism of the way Utah State's doing it, but I like it better when you're when you're throwing a quick offense against somebody almost like a pitcher would. So you're mixing it in. If you're throwing nothing but fastballs, then then teams get used to it. They start playing with pace, and they know what to do. But if maybe you do it every time you get a first down, you come up with a really really quick play to get yourself a cheap four yards or five yards on first down, or you mix it up on the drives, like, okay, this drive we're going to go no huddle, we're really going to come after them, and then next drive we're going to go, we're going to huddle it up. Or if you just kind of got to mix up the pitches, if you will, on the speed because I think players start adjusting, you know, and then as soon as you still feel like they're adjusting to your fast pace, then you slow it down a little bit. And then as soon as they get used to your slow pace, then you start going at a quick pace on first down. And I think keeping people off balance that way seems to be a little bit more effective to me than just doing one or all of the same all the time. And and I think they have enough in right now where they can go fast as they want that if they needed to, they could use that, but it wouldn't hurt them every once in a while to slow it down or to... And, and I think the, the other opinion that I have about the huddle offense is versus no huddle is... I think sometimes when you're no huddle, it takes leadership out of the field. Meaning this, there are some special times and some special places that take place in the huddle in football. And I think sometimes it's really important for Jordan Love to be able to calm the guys down or whoever their offensive leader is. If it's a running back or one of the offensive linemen or a tight end, to say, hey guys, don't worry about this. One play at a time, we got this. Right In a huddle, away from the coaches, away from everything else. That can be super, super – that can be a powerful moment for teams. And I think sometimes no huddle takes that away because it's so focused on go, 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 go that you forget about the leadership that takes place, about the team portion that takes place. And so I wouldn't mind if they mixed it up a little bit more than what they're doing right now. Here's our college football insider, Riley Jensen, joining us. You got the Utes winning this week and Utah State winning at Air Force? Yeah, they're they're not favored. Is that right? Are they still not favored? I, the initial line I saw that they weren't favored. Um, I think Utah State will pull it out, but this is going to be a really close game, and partially because they're not scoring on all those two minute drives. If they were scoring on all those two minute drives, I'd say, oh, Utah State, no problem. But they've got to figure out a way um, to to not go three and out. There was a lot of three and outs against Nevada, even though they dominated that game in a lot of ways, and. That's what makes me nervous about this offense right now. They've got to, they've got to do a better job of putting together some drives and maybe, like you said, putting them into a huddle and extending those seven, eight-play drives a little bit. Appreciate it, Riley. Thanks as always. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. Have- right on. Well, as you said, DJ, there is nothing wrong with a seven-point touchdown drive. Seven-play drive. I love myself. My, when I, my team, when they get those seven-point touchdown drives, that's sweet. Rack them up. And I think against the Air Force, it's doubly sweet because you know full well that they're going to have, if they have a touchdown drive, it's probably going to be 12, 15 plays. The way they run that offense, you're sitting there 
standing there on the sideline thinking, man, are we ever going to get the ball back? We've heard, we've heard coaches talk about that all the time. So if they can get seven, eight, nine, ten plays themselves, it's really going to help them. You can keep going. Yuck's figuring something out. I miss not having BYU and Utah play Air Force because you knew what the discussion was every week. <laughs> Especially if you had a new editor. Hey, why don't you go write something on yeah, that? Yeah, write something on that option. Oh, okay. Okay, you're new to the job. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody's yeah. ever done that. But Air Force always presents a unique challenge. We saw it against Colorado. We saw what they did. How playing those guys, you just can't make mistakes. And you have to be efficient on the offense because if you turn around like you were talking about with those quick, whether it's a three and out, a five and out, whatever it might be, Air Force then can get the ball. Eight minutes goes by. Yep. Now you're totally out of rhythm. Yeah. And that maybe they've scored those seven-point touchdown drives. <laughs> okay. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy. If you want better health and to feel better, check out Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy and ask about the Zone listener specials on cryotherapy, IV drips, hyperbaric oxygen treatment, and more. Visit Restore.com for more details. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. BYU fans, they got sick of hearing me say, extend Kalani. After the USC win, I was vocal. After the Tennessee win, I was vocal. You know, the South Florida and Toledo losses, those are ugly losses. There's no question about it. They're hideous. But this win against a 14-ranked Boise State team, it demands a little bit of conversation. Now you've got to win over two top 25 teams. Got to win against an SEC team. I look at this game the same way I looked at the Stanford game for Utah. Kyle Whittingham up at the podium, and they ask him what kind of a win does this mean for the program? And he said, unless we add on to it and we build from it, it means nothing. Yeah. A loss to Liberty, a loss to UMass, even a loss to Utah State in two weeks. And it kind of just takes a Sharpie marker right through that win. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Purchase Ford fans on all you can eat tickets to an upcoming game and receive unlimited hot dog, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream. Starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford fan zone all you can eat tickets now. Got tickets to the Jazz and the Clippers coming up on a win tickets Wednesday. And we will the Clippers? We'll do that. Uh, it's the Kings. Sorry. Looking at Clippers on Twitter and I blurted it out. Seven-point touchdown drives. Just be careful because Jake Scott had a, a very mis, uh, misspoken thing when he was looking at something. Yeah. It just didn't, no, it really didn't work. <laughs> Let's well. just leave it alone. It's happened multiple times for Jake. So. so be careful there. All right. Being very careful. All right, Jazz opener tonight. Are you ready? Doesn't matter if you are. It's going to be there with or without you, whether you're How ready or not. How about this one? Are they ready? Are they ready? How many times you walking around doing whatever you do the rest of the day have you been asked, PK, should I worry about the Jazz defense? No, I have concern. And it's concern more than before based on the four preseason games. So I get it. I, I, I've decided I'm, I'm going to do a drinking game every time uh, Herm Edwards says, I get it. You could say, man, did you see that play? There was 14 fumbles and three laterals and six players got hurt and uh, they had to take a 20-minute uh, lightning break. Yeah, I've been there. I get it. <laughs> no matter what, he's been there. He gets it. <laughs> Whatever scenario that creates. Yeah, I get it. He says that all <laughs> Everything you got. How about you win more games then if you got it? 
And so I am more concerned, but I also understand it was preseason. I get it. <laughs> so, but Yak, if you want to pull that for a drop, that would be a good drop. They can just erase all that concern easily by Sunday morning, Saturday night. Easily just yeah, erase that we can all just concern. say, well, it was preseason. And exactly. They're, they're veterans. They're a bunch of 30-something guys. And Gobert didn't play in Milwaukee. And, right. Yeah. No now one's going to be concerned deal. about that. And then we'll yeah. talk about something else. Yeah, start 4-1 and one, your first five. And no one's going to be worried about what happened against Milwaukee and uh, who was it, Portland and who was the other team, somebody else, Sacramento. Who cares? So get it out of their system right now. In fact, now that it happened, in a sense, I'm glad it happened because I think you need to play mind games with yourselves in terms of I've got something to prove. And I'm the king of doing that with myself. <laughs> you totally are. Yeah. You find a negative comment on Twitter. I've been doing this for 15 years. Yeah. I've been doing it for 16 years. So <laughs> you totally do. If that. it gets them fired up and 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 then they focus more on the technique and all the stuff that they need to have when they're ready to go, I'm all for it. So in a sense, maybe it was a good thing because they could just wipe away that so simply and easily by going out there and just playing to the level they're capable of and winning this ball game and as I say, starting out 4 and 1. Rick is on the phone, 855-340-ZONE. You can call, you can grab your phone, use the open mic, use the app. Use your open mic and send us your take. Get you ready for tonight's opener. All right, Rick, let's do it. Go ahead. What do you got? All right, I'll give you the predictions. Okay. <laughs> Denver Denver won. Denver won. Because they're the deepest team. Yeah, I mean, you got to factor in injuries, which you don't know what team's going to get it. They're the... They're the team that can sustain an injury literally to anybody in the Ooh, starting I don't five. know about Jokic, though. Their back, their backup center is the best backup center. Wait a minute. Backup. Uh, what PK just said. Plumlee might be a good backup center, but he's not Jokic. That sounded smart. <laughs> no, I know, but there's not a drop-off like there would be on any other team. Uh, I think there's a massive drop-off. I'm talking about a 20-30 okay, sure. game injury, uh, okay. which should happen to three teams probably. It probably will. I agree. Then you take the other three teams with the good duos. Okay, one of those three teams will drop from top four to maybe out. Out. They're only a t- yeah because they're a two they're a two man team that's now a one man team in a great West. Well, I would put the Lakers at the top of that list. Yeah, after looking at them, oh boy, this, the Clippers look good. I mean, they may dominate a tough conference. That I mean, they're. Good defensively at every position. Okay, you've already lost me here. A lot of people are picking them one in the West for all the reasons you're talking about, but didn't you just pick Denver number one? Well, I'm talking about Denver's not to win it, but probably to get the most wins. Because remember, it's all okay, load saying. management. No, all right, okay. All right, I got you. Get through the season. Like, Clippers may not even be in the top three because George will be out for a while. They may get another injury. But they'll be the team to beat, it looks looks like, when George comes back. Jazz, you know, Golden State couldn't rebound, but they could play defense. And the Jazz, it looks like an issue. If you can't rebound and you can't play defense, what's their point differential going to be? You, you never go far anywhere in the playoffs if you just try to outscore people. You know, Houston could defend, but they can score. Well, let's not and write off the Jazz as a average, beat. Uh, below, a- below average def- uh, rebounding team, and I'm I'm now. I said we won't be a top ten defensive team. I'm betting we'll be right around the middle of the league defensively. 
DJ has him top three, remember? Yeah, and you were five, BK. Right, I'm more conservative. I've always been that way. <laughs> okay, last prediction on the Utes. USC's next tough game on the road, whatever game they lose, that next week we will lose. Oh. There comes that expectation game again, and we're 0-9 now in 10 years on those. <laughs> we usually immediately lose the game that controls your fate to the end. So not the day of. Like well, it can't be Owen. It can't be Owen nine. They won the division yeah, last year. Yeah, but see, they didn't. They got lucky that ASU yeah, didn't play before. No, they they right. So they, they never get any credit. Right. They never get any credit. So they won the game. But they didn't realize there was that much pressure well, because the Devils had losses, to play later. Two losses. It doesn't matter. We're trying to get to the final because Oregon is a lot like Utah. Very solid defense. Good offense, and Oregon doesn't have great wide receivers that can beat us. They have two great running backs. Uh, that would be a great game. Uh, but we got to yeah. get there. And you watch, first expectation game, because I said it this year, expectations came real early. What did we do? We lost Boom. the first expectation game against USC. Right. And that wasn't the players' fault. That was all on the coaching. I agree. All right. showed us how to beat that team. Real simple. They got two all players. Right. Don't let them go over the top. Boom. Rick, your skills are really wasted, but I'm glad you're here on the show with us on a semi-regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Yeah, all right, there it is. Yeah, don't you know the Rick. only reason why the Utes they got? See, if, <laughs> if ASU had – if the refs had stolen that game from or, from ASU earlier uh, in the day uh-huh. and then Utah played Colorado, they would have lost. They would have missed a bunch of those. But because yeah. they played earlier, okay. there wasn't that pressure, right. and then the refs took away that two-point conversion against ASU and they would have won the game. So – they and there it the is. Utes didn't know that it was a big game at the time. That's and what he's saying. So there's that. I've learned that. And the other thing I learned is that Rick is smarter than Kyle Whittingham and Quinn Snyder put together. So there's that. That's two valuable things I picked up in this segment. Well, there's nothing wrong with fans having opinions. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's, a, that's all I am. But some, but some fans don't have opinions, and Rick has his opinions and their opinions too. But the, don't, you're, you're, you're sounding negative towards the man. He's a, I, I never I pre- sound negative. I'm positive. All things don't. Nevertheless, you sounding you. negative towards the man, and, and I'm not going to have it. All right, there it is. I think he's totally entitled to come on the phone and give his opinions as what he sees as far as the Jazz and the Utes. In fact, these are dudes that keep us employed. <laughs> I, I love the man, and I, I've never met him. I totally agree, but Rick's getting beat, beat up on Twitter right now. Although yeah, because he has an opinion, so you've got, got a bunch of anonymous, anonymous guys running their mouths. You know, Clint puts his name on it, though. Clint's good about that. Clint Peterson puts his name right out there. Uh, Rick's a below average caller. So there! He is not! <laughs> Clint, I couldn't disagree more. He is not a below-average caller. Not okay. at all. SC Diaz at Got Tacos. That is anonymous. I love you. <laughs> I love your show, DJ and PK, but you got to stop taking calls from Rick. Why? We're Why? Not gonna, we're that not, was an intelligent if we were, both of those takes I agree. on the Jazz and the Utes I agree. were good. And if we were going to stop taking calls from Rick, it would have been a long time ago when he was doing dishes while he was calling us. Well, That's when was, we would have dropped the if hammer. If he came out here and was a jerk and he was belligerent know, or right. he had just off the wall completely, totally and, ridiculous and takes. had to hit the dump button. I would say yes, but no. That, that, those were sound takes. doesn't matter whether you agree with him. That's not the point. Was the take, or in this case, were the takes sound? Yes, they were. They were. Because the evidence is, okay, Utah won the division last year, but the evidence is they tend to blow it in November. That's obvious. There's that. And then with the Jazz. He's concerned about their defense. So... 
if you had a chance to repick it right now, which you do, because there's the microphone, would you still pick fifth? Because I still wouldn't pick third. <laughs> well, let's see. That's what well, I'm saying. I, I know, but it's today. And I get that a week from now we may think something different because you get more information, new information. You change your opinion. Uh, well, fifth, well, you should. Sixth, seventh. I mean, I'm not really caught yeah. up in that. The point is, and I won't even look at one point in this year, what are their defensive standings? You don't, you don't have to. Yock will come on. Or uh, Yock. Uh, Lock will come on and tell us. Right. I'm not going so to. I look, look at the standings. What, those? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's old school, dude. You got to evolve. <laughs> what place are you in? How many games are you ahead of the teams behind you? How many games you are you behind evolve. the teams ahead of you? That's what I look at. Well, I was about to say, I was like, yeah. I'm not going and breaking yeah. down defensive and, and we don't have to we have a lock on one yeah, I'm not going to obsess like, too much about standings until we get to like January the end of January then we get there okay for sure so I'm concerned a little bit about the defense but these guys have this opportunity at 7-0-10 tonight to prove to me 7-0-10 yes is that going to be a 7 point touchdown drive at 7 I said it on purpose oh, okay, at 7 10 they've got exactly. good point Yock Yock thank goodness you're here we weren't focused enough and I I think Newfoundland is another hour. It is. In the Car- yeah. Some places it's the, in the Atlantic Caribbean. time zone. After ten, ten, is, that, is it called Atlantic time zone? Yeah, it is. Ten, okay. ten, I looked ten. it up once when I was born. Okay. okay. Ten yeah. o ten Atlantic time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why don't they do Atlantic time? And you got no Alaska sense. time and Hawaii time going the other way. I don't know what's beyond Hawaii time. And then you put in Arizona and half of the year they're on this That's time and half the year they're on that time. I mean, it's all just Mountain baffling. standard time. I mean, for, for my parents, they're gone now, but they lived in Arizona for over 40 years and they never once got the time once I moved to Utah. What time is it there? No matter what time I talk to them, what time is it there? And and really, my sisters who are still living, obviously, they say it. What time is it there? They can never figure it out. So it's very confusing. But at seven o ten tonight, they can shut up everybody. That's the great thing about it, man. Go out and prove it. Okay, you suck defensively in the, in the preseason with uppercase preseason. Now here, if they suck after 10 games in a regular season, I'm going to be more concerned for sure. But I don't think they're going to. DJ PK, Yak, is it time to give away the tickets? It is time. The Sacramento Kings are coming to town Saturday night. We got two tickets to see the Jazz and the Kings. Don't call now because then Yak will hang up on you. He loves to do that, by the way. But when we come back, then it'll be time for a Win Tickets Wednesday. So stay with us on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone, all you can eat tickets to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, nachos, popcorn, soda, and ice cream. Tickets start as low as $37 at utahjazz.com, courtesy of your local Ford stores. Two tickets to see the Jazz and the Kings. Yuck, let's mm. do it on yeah. a win ticket Wednesday. This is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a win ticket Wednesday. 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 Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. And you'll win tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Be caller 12 right now. And you got tickets to see the Jazz and the Kings Saturday night. Win tickets Wednesday. Every show, every Wednesday. If you don't win now, try again 
on the other shows later today. All right, PK, a semi-frequent, semi-regular guest on our show, Barry Trammell. He's been on talking Big 12 and Oklahoma City Thunder over the years. He's got a thing on the culture shock in Oklahoma City, the Jazz seeing the Thunder tonight. And while we're focused on the Jazz and the defense and how are the new guys going to integrate and is Bogdanovich going to start hitting shots pretty quickly here, and we can talk about all those stories they are just t- totally turning everything upside down. No Russell Westbrook. We've been talking about what he means in Houston. What does he mean? What does his absence mean in Oklahoma City? You got them as a, a 40-win-ish team? Yeah, and that's okay, though, because every team has to reload. And, you know, they had a pretty good run, and they were up, basically upended and left uh, on their heads when Durant left. And they rallied a little bit. And I guess the thing about is you thought that Paul George just a year ago was re-signing and looking like he was going to be there. And you thought they had a chance to be competitive with those two and throw in Steven Adams and a couple other guys. And they were a decent NBA team. And now a year later, not only is one gone, but both of them are gone. So that that's what happens. And... You got good. You got good run out of Westbrook. You can't really complain. And really, you got good run out of Durant too. I mean, he was there for what eight years or so. Got so, to the NBA final. Got yeah. to a couple other conference. And so finals. teams reload, and it was going to be in a few years anyway. Because I don't know that uh, of all the players, Westbrook can, can continue this frenetic pace that he played at and still do it at thirty four, thirty five. So. Let's see what they've got now. They've got a bunch of picks that they're dealing, and we'll see what they do with Chris Paul. It doesn't look like Chris Paul would be there long term. So what do they get from for him when they flip him somewhere down the line? And then it's not just about getting picks. You have to use the picks appropriately. And we've seen we talked about the Suns, you know, four or five picks in the top ten, and none miss, of them are miss, anything. Miss, miss, yeah. and miss. And then you got the Warriors, who didn't look like they had great picks, and yet they ended up with great players. Yeah, I mean, Curry was the sixth round, uh, sixth player. Uh, Thompson was, what, I think uh, 10 or 11, somewhere in there. And then, obviously, Draymond Green was a second rounder. And, and yeah, so I'm okay with Oklahoma City going full in as long as you have the plan. I've never had a problem with you having the plan. I have the problem when you replan the plan three times. That drives me nuts. You've got the plan. Oklahoma City is where the Jazz were a few years back. So be it. And, and it'll be interesting to see how competitive they can be because Paul is not yesterday's trash. He may not be the all-star that he was. Steven Adams is still a rugged dude. And so let's see. I, I don't think that they're just going to roll over and be you know like a 15-18-win uh, team. Paul usually gets hurt and misses games, and when that happens, they could be taking a hit. We'll have to see how that plays out. But they've got him tonight, and that's what the Jazz have to worry about. I mean, we've got tonight. tonight. Who needs tomorrow? Join Scotty and Hands Friday from noon to 3 at the Warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Tim Brando, Fox Sports play-by-play. He's calling the Cal-Utah game on Saturday. He's been on the show before. He's going to join us again next on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.